Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Ravens coming off their bye. Healthy. Ready for the final stretch. It's time for the gauntlet this week on Pod Like a Raven. So, first of all, I feel great as I record with you guys on Monday, and I know it's because I didn't go through a very stressful three hours plus yesterday, on Sunday. I am Antonio Barbera, and that's how I'm feeling. That's We should have buys all the time uh, as Ravens fans. Let me bring in my co-hosts and see if they feel the same way. Uh, Jace, just, I just, there's just no... Like, not in my stomach. There's, I, I, I don't have a few extra gray hairs. I, like, slept okay. Uh, how are you feeling uh, this Monday? Has been yeah, it, it is incredible how kind of uh, worry-free I feel, uh, <laughs> Antonio. I feel like I, I'm, I'm clear-headed about this team. I can recognize the Ravens are a sensational place. Not sensational place, but they're in a very good place. This is a good football team. And I think it's what you said. It's removing the the three hours of torture that the games are. Uh, And and when you can sit back and just kind of watch the rest of the league a little bit and uh, just kind of take everything in and think about it, you you realize, yeah, this is a good team and a good place. But when you're in it, it feels awful. (laughs) So I don't know how to reconcile those two ideas. But, yeah, I I, I completely agree with you. It was it was a delightful week of not watching the Ravens, uh, and it's going to be stressful. Uh, the stress will be back, uh, just based on the schedule to close the season. There's not a losing team, not a losing team on the on the sched, so it's not going to be easy. So, I think it was a great time for a bye, uh, and yeah, hopefully they finish strong here because it's it's going to be a grind. I like football. I like rooting for the Baltimore Ravens. And yet I enjoyed watching other teams commit false starts uh, and late hits uh, or miss field goals. Tim, what do you think? Three buys a year now with the 17-game uh, schedule? Ooh, no, I couldn't do that. I like the stress. I live in the stress. I, I'm, I'm here for the three hours of misery and the nobody talk to me and the, and the oh, my God, why I, I, yet again for the fourth week in a row is that much buffalo chicken dip in my system. Um <laughs> No, no, I need to watch my team, man. I but I get it. It, it was it was kind of nice to, you know, as we've talked about before, and with this with this current setup that I have, you know, have red zone on, have one of the local games on, and maybe throw something else like a you know a, a bingey type show or a, or a video game of some sort to kind of throw on the second screen and watch red zone, but not be like super. I mean, locked in, but not like super stressful. Locked into every little. Every little moment that happens in every little game, uh, you know, especially because the Ravens weren't there. So, yeah, it was very nice to kind of enjoy football, I I think. (laughs) You know, I enjoy the Ravens, but in a much, much different way. I I joked about the three buys, but, uh, you know, between the three of us and every listener, that 18-game 
to buy thing. That's happening. That's coming in the next five to seven yeah. years. So I, maybe I'm, uh, I'll be upset when it does come. But for now, uh, <laughs> nice to have a week to relax. Watch some teams help the Ravens. Other teams continue to annoy the Ravens, even without playing them. And we're going to break all of that down uh, in the first half of this episode before getting into previewing the Ravens hosting the Rams on Sunday at just at 1 p.m., the beautiful afternoon game. Let's start with uh, how the weekend unfolded um, without the Ravens' presence, starting with the AFC North. Uh, and this is where, really, they got the most help. Obviously, as we record uh, Monday evening, we are waiting on the result of Jaguars-Bengals, even though the Bengals really, at this point, have the least uh, effect in how things are shaping up in the AFC North. But two teams who we are uh, competing with uh, on a weekly basis did give us some favors, and that is the Pittsburgh Steelers getting blown out at home by the Arizona Cardinals, just like everybody predicted. <laughs> Kenny Pickett uh, had surgery for an ankle sprain. I didn't know that was a thing that you would do in season. He's going to miss uh, at least a few weeks, apparently not a season ender. Who knows? Uh, and the Cleveland Browns also lost with the, I don't know, the, the ghost of Joe Flacco Making some plays, uh, but falling a little bit short. Now the Ravens with a two-game lead in the AFC North, guys, without having to put in any effort. Um, I'm sure you watched large portions of this of these two games. What did you make of uh, of Steelers and then of the Browns? Well, I think simply put, the Steelers, I, I feel like, might be in trouble. And I know this is, uh, for the astute listener, probably contradicts exactly what I said last week because uh, I have been just ping-ponging uh, back and forth uh, with this team for a while. But, you know, I, I think, I don't know the difference between Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky is that much. I will say Trubisky manages to turn the ball over way more than Pickett does. That seems to be the big difference between the two. Um, so that's obviously not great. And they just can't score. Their offense is still, like, they they go down 24-3 to this Cardinals team. And, you know, they had a chance to go up early in this game, but they get kind of stoned. Uh, and then um, the Cardinals went on a 99-yard drive, like, right before halftime after they had a goal line stand. So that's kind of a turning point there. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we were kind of joking. It's weird. They both – both the Steelers and Browns losing, obviously, do the Ravens a huge solid. I mean, I, I never want to say anything set in stone with the Ravens, but you have a two-game lead with, what, five to play. They should win the division at this point. Um, obviously, you have bigger goals than that, but this was a huge weekend in that respect. And I think, like, if you're losing to a Cardinals team that comes in at, what, 2-10, and 10, right? That's bad. That's not good. And I think it just is in indicative that the Steelers have major problems. And they still might have enough cushion. They're still in the five seed at the moment. But I don't know. They they just looked really bad. I mean, that's about as bad a loss as almost any team I feel like's taken this year. To, to just – you go down 24-3, you lose 24-10 to to a, a two-win a two team in your building. Like – that's tough. That sticks. And it's go time. And, you know, Mike Tomlin, he said it. He said they're not playing. That was They played losing football, and certainly they lost in a big way on Sunday. So, I mean, but knowing the Steelers, I'm sure they'll bounce back. They play the Patriots on Thursday Night Football, who might be the worst team in the league. Even I mean, the Steelers are favored by six points with Mitch Trubisky. That's all you really need to know about how bad the Pats are. But um, 
and they play the Colts to battle of two seven and five teams. That's gonna determine playoff stuff. So I'm not writing the Steelers off. I still think they could sneak into the playoff field, but I don't. I think I'm officially in. I'm not worried that they're gonna do anything. They are a one and done playoff team. I'm sure they could still beat us at the season finale, though. Yeah, I mean that's that's kind of the thing. Like as bad they could be, you know, Owen. 17 heading or 0 and 16 excuse me heading into week 18 and i'd still be worried that they were going to beat us i mean even i'll never forget it was um i think it was 2008 the year that we went 5 and 11 and i was sitting up at deep creek lake and it was the last game of the year and the ravens beat the steelers and that is pittsburgh territory and there was houses all around ours screaming for the steelers so i ran out and said you know just whoop whooped with the ravens at the end of that game and it was the best thing ever and that's what this rivalry is but I, I totally agree um, with Chase. So not, it's it's not just their offense. I don't think their defense is that good. And then T.J. Watt got hurt. Um, <clears throat> you know they give up a lot of explosive plays, and it's something that you know you look at the names and you look at the jersey, and it's it's what's happened for the Ravens for a long time, like a, in years that are not this one, where the defense was mediocre to bad, but it was like oh that Ravens defense. It's like no 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 Ray Lewis hasn't been here for a long time. Like I don't know what you're talking about. Um, Arizona before we go to the other game quickly if just for Arizona if you're an Arizona fan are you happy that Kyler Murray's back and like kind of playing well I mean he went 13 to 23 for 145 and a touchdown you know also he uh had 20 yards on the ground it, it's tough it's not something that this podcast can debate I'm sure fan sided has a lovely Arizona Cardinals podcast that you can listen to and subscribe to and get all your Kyler Murray hot takes out there but they're currently sitting, if you look at Tankathon, um, which is a brilliant website for kind of figuring out the records and stuff, they currently sit number three in what seems to be a two-horse race at the top of the quarterback um, draft order with, with uh, Drake May and Caleb Williams. And you know they're not getting past the Patriots or Carolina the way they're playing right now. So I don't know. It's, it's an interesting question if you're an Arizona fan. Is, is this a good thing? Obviously, winning's always good. It'd be hard to root for losing, but, you know. The Jags have Trevor Lawrence because the Jets <laughs> kept beating teams at the end. They, they beat the Raiders on a r- ridiculous play at the end, and they got stuck with Zach Wilson, and we all know how that's turned out. So it's just it, an interesting thing to think about. I, Kyler Murray's a good player, but I, I don't know. It's a weird one. Let's get to um, the most emotionally conflicting thing I think I've ever felt on a football field, and that's old 6'8", 38-year-old Smoking Joe rocking the number 15. <laughs> Um, in in the brown and orange of the Cleveland Browns um, uniform. Um, I feel like I've been cheated on, but it wasn't anybody's fault. You know what I mean? Like, it it was kind of one of those things of, like, you you understand, and there's no... Nobody did anything wrong, and yet you still feel icky about the entire situation. Watching Joe Flacco throw just an incredible spiral and watching him just sit back in the pocket like nothing was going on around him there was no situational awareness and still uncorking a ball like 60 yards overthrowing a receiver by 15 yards deep like it felt so good and it wasn't because it was him screwing up it was because it was joe flacco looking relatively competent and then i'm like but it's with the browns i didn't know how to feel I didn't know how to feel. This is a lot of word salad for for basically that emotion of, I thought he was okay. He's clearly the best option that the Browns have at quarterback. 
I'm super happy for my former Super Bowl MVP. And yet it's on the team I despise the most in the city that, like, I have to go to Columbus this weekend for work, and I'm already <laughs> pissed that it's kind of just in the vicinity of Cleveland. I don't know Ohio geography. Well, I don't care. It doesn't yeah, matter. I was going to say, it's not really, but <laughs> okay, good. it's just well, in Ohio. <laughs> that's And you know what? That's all I need to know, Jace. I don't care about the geography of Ohio at all. Trust me. It was between uh, Columbus and Cincinnati for a work trip, but I was like, can we just not? Can I just not go? Um, so yeah, it, it was it was weird. It was weird watching Joe Flacco be relatively competent, which I thought was kind of surprising to be honest. Um, and I felt happy for him, but not happy that it was good for the Browns. I mean, it didn't help. They he threw a backbreaking interception and they lost. So you know that's still fun. But I don't know. I, I, I didn't know how to feel, guys. I really didn't know how to feel. Yeah, there's two sides to this. First of all, to, I just love Tim's. Uh... I mean, it's sad and depressing, but realistic image of, uh, you know, feeling all the wrong emotions while watching the one that, the one that got away kind of thing, or is cheating, or I, I, I very much appreciated yeah, that. Not, not got away, but that's the thing, it's not got away, because we're happier, like, we, we just are. <laughs> it's but, better, it's just better that you're no longer better. together, but yeah. you had some good times, you know. I guess, yeah, <laughs> like, like, like three months of good times, yeah, they were, it was good. Oh man! So there's that. Obviously, there's that. It was it was weird. It was weird, especially in that uniform. And it's a team that he has just owned uh, for like hasn't owned a lot of teams in his career. But that was one that he absolutely did. And now he's just wearing their their jersey. Um, made some plays, in my opinion, considering he's been on the team what a week and has been like practicing with an NFL team for a week uh, after being on the couch for six months. Um, the other aspect of this and his performance, it was better a week off of being at his house than a lot of quarterbacks who have been playing in the National Football League for months. Yeah. Better than what Tommy DeVito would ever be doing. Better than the whole situation with the Jets. Better than what Dobbs was doing for Arizona and even what he's been doing for Minnesota. I mean, it's been a fun story, but makes a ton of mistakes better than what the Browns have been doing with Watson hurt so I guess they get the pat on the back for addressing it finally but I know it's one game but going on the road having not knowing any of your players uh losing Amari Cooper like halfway that part way through this game and still being able to complete passes and move the football down the field he should have been on a team he was right <laughs> he should have been on a football team much earlier and I'm torn between the, like, the Giants would have rather given, like, young Tommy DeVito a chance than going backwards with a veteran, I guess, is the thought process for that. But other situations, like the Jets, are one where you could have had an actual competent NFL quarterback who was on your team previously. So I, I was happy. The end of it was, and the end of this ramble is... Uh, I was happy to see Smoke and Joe um, rewarded uh, and really being right about his own confidence because it was obvious that the ability is still there, made some mistakes, had the, the fumble or whatever. Guess what? Lamar Jackson has that happen late in games too. So I, you know, <laughs> oh, that's... <yeah. laughs> so overall, if you had to grade him with all the circumstances, it's probably like an A-. minus. So 
good for you, Joe, and I hate that the Browns have a quarterback that may win a game or two and get them into the postseason. Do I want Joe Flacco in the postseason? No. No, I do not. So, uh, yeah, it was weird. It was weird is my, my long ramble there. Well, I think your last point, Antonio, is I think what played into plays into it being strange, the strangest part, I guess, for me is because, like, I think he's been away from the Ravens long enough that just him physically being in the Browns uniform wasn't quite as shocking to me as I thought it would be. Uh, I forget which one of you said, but you were right. Uh, Flacco, the only person who's beaten the Browns more in NFL history is Ben Roethlisberger than Joe Flacco, and now he's their quarterback. Um, and uh, But it, it was like the, 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 the that whiff of competence that is kind of, I think possibly going to get the Browns to the finish line, at least in terms of making it a playoff appearance. And, you know, if the Ravens are going to, and we'll talk more about these scenarios in just a moment, I think, but if the Ravens are going to get stuck playing on Wild Card Weekend, potentially, there's worse opponents to face than 2023 Joe Flacco, I will say. Um, it, it, it's just so weird. Like like you guys said, it, it kind of left me battling internally because I want Joe Flacco to do well. He's one victory away from 100 wins in his career. I do want him to get to 100. He's currently That's 99 and 82. And, um, you know, I think this stat points to how hard it is to be a quarterback. He is 3-15 and 15 as a starter since he left the Ravens. But as you rightfully pointed out, he was like a solid Solid quarterback on Sunday. He's better than a lot of we've seen, and I think he is certainly better than DTR and PJ Walker. And so, like, even if that's a low bar, I think he can maybe do enough to get the Browns to the playoffs. And that leaves me just so conflicted. I mean, even in this game on Sunday, like against the Rams, the Browns scored with less than 10 minutes to go in the fourth quarter and should have tied the game and told the kicker missed the extra point and then things kind of unraveled. But yeah, it was. In many ways, even though I did think Flacco actually looked a little faster, I don't know. Did he seem that way to any yeah. of you all? Like lean. I just he lean. Yeah, I, I felt like he just seemed like marginally quicker than I remember him kind of shuffling around when like the Ravens played the Jets. Was that last year, right in the season opener? Um, I don't know. It just it. It was so strange. Then the final line is hilarious. It's a classic, like late era Joe Flacco line. So classic. Twenty three for forty four, two fifty four, two TDs, and then yeah, that just basically game sealing interception on like a deep bomb uh, attempt. Uh, but yeah, all that being said, I did think he looked competent, and uh, I think it was, as you guys said, an ex- uh, a good. Reminder, he is a good quarterback. Was Did he throw for his normal 5.8 yards per attempt? Yes. But, like, Joe Flacco was a good quarterback, even though he's been 3-15 and 15 since he left the Ravens. He is a good quarterback still, given what quarterback play is in the NFL. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I leave all this not really knowing what I want for them. Because, like, on the one hand, I'm like, man, it'd be nice if the Browns could, like, keep the Bills out of the playoffs, right? Like, but also, like, screw the Browns. I don't want the Browns to win anything. I, I want both these stupid teams we just talked about to miss the playoffs if given the chance. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm in a glass case of emotion, to, to quote Ron Burgundy. I, I really don't know what I want out of from these AFC North teams. I, I guess I just fall on the side of I want them to make the playoffs because I think they're worse teams than some of the other options out there. Uh, like the Texans, like the Browns, even the Colts, I think, can give people more problems than 
Joe Flacco Browns, but uh, I don't know. It was weird. It was definitely strange. Uh, and I, yeah, I don't know if he'll be able to get them to the finish line. Like you mentioned, they lost Cooper, Garrett's hurt. They might just have too many injuries, but he gives them the best chance. So I imagine we'll see him under center next week. Chase, let me, let me tell you what you want uh, from Joe Flacco and the Browns. You want them to win next week uh, at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm-hmm. And then lose out, and then lose the next four games. They don't go to the postseason. They finish eight and nine. Uh, Jags fall down a, a, a slot, and Joe Flacco gets a hundred wins, and we can move on <laughs> with our lives. Um, let's look at now the rest of the AFC, the leaders of the AFC, and how they fared, because um, we got a little bit of help here, um, and there's some interesting scenarios coming down this last month. So Chiefs, of course, lose uh, the Sunday night game. Uh, at the Packers, Jordan Love looking better and better by the week. I did not have a lot of faith uh, in him as kind of the, the solution there, the answer there, but he is looking stronger. Um, sw- swagging, swagging with his throws, uh, deep balls and all that. The Dolphins blow out the Commanders and are now currently the number one seed, taking that from the Ravens. The Jaguars, we cannot know for sure, but feeling pretty confident about them taking care of business uh, against the um the Bengals um so now we have the Chiefs facing the Bills this coming week the Dolphins get the Titans at home and then the Jags will have to travel to Cleveland uh while the Ravens play the Rams the Dolphins will finish the year however even though they get the Titans uh, this week and it's pretty you know as close to a layup I think for them at home as it can get um they will finish the year Cowboys Ravens Bills I do not see the Dolphins sweeping that stretch of three games. I do not see the Ravens winning out. <laughs> I don't see the the Jags. They're, they're way too inconsistent of a team to close out a season with eight straight wins, which is what it would take for them if they do win out. They already had a two-game winning streak beforehand, so if they were to win out, that would be eight straight wins. I don't see that happening. So obviously there's a lot to play for. There's a lot of moving parts still. But it seems like the AFC one seed is likely to be a four-loss team or even a five-loss team. So the question is, which one of these teams, currently at, at that nine and you know nine and three slot, which of these teams can go four and one down the stretch? So that, that's kind of where we. I'll take a pause now before we turn to the Ravens. But the Chiefs, obviously, a game behind. They might have to. Sp- run the table in order to really be a a contender for that one seed. Otherwise, the other ones remaining, Dolphins, Jags, Ravens, which of these can go 4-1 and and essentially, you know, really grab hold of of that number one seed in the AFC? Well, what sucks is even with that loss, and I'm genuinely surprised the Chiefs lost on Sunday night. I will say that just because uh, I hit a really dark moment. Antonio on Sunday night watching the Chiefs game. They they drew a iffy pass interference call, and all I could think was that we will never beat Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs because he will just pull these games out of his butt. They're up twenty four to nineteen, or the Packers are up twenty four to nineteen at this point. Chiefs driving. I'm sending texts or thinking about sending texts uh, to you all if I didn't, and just bro- brooding and <laughs> sitting here in my chair. Uh, and then the next play, he throws a pick. And I think everything changes. And then they still almost win on the final drive and maybe, or at least tie it. 
uh, and then definitely would have won in overtime if they forced it, uh, how, how things go. If they didn't, that's a whole other matter. But it, So the Chiefs are now a game behind, but what sucks is I still think they're going to be there at the end because they do have Chiefs Bills this week, and that's a tough challenge and a weird one that I don't really know who you want to win. You could basically kind of put the knife in the back of the Bills as a playoff team or at least really make it an uphill climb to avoid them in the wild card round entirely. But if the Chiefs win that, they then close with Pats, Raiders, Bengals without Joe Burrow, and a Chargers team that seems to score less and less points every week. Uh, And so there's a real path they went out, too, especially if they beat the Bills. So I still – they have the the biggest uphill climb. You mentioned the Jags. I don't really trust them, but their schedule's not hard. They they have – uh, Bucks, Panthers, Titans is their close, and they we mentioned they play the Browns and Bengals. So it, it's going to basically come down to what do we do against the Jags because I think they're going to win a majority of those games too. So I, if I had to pick, I think, well, I should say this. The good news is I agree with you. The Ravens will not win out. <laughs> but that's uh, the good news. <laughs> that's the good news. But – their destiny is currently in their hands because we are nine and three and we play the Jaguars and we play the Dolphins. So if you do win out, you are the number one seed. That is a great place to be with December dawning. It is what you want. It's the position you want. Will it happen? I don't know. But we should just say they have the keys currently. The Ravens are probably the inside track to being the one seed given they get the Dolphins at home. Uh, that being said, I still think the Chiefs find a way to... <laughs> <laughs> to end up there just because that this league that's how this league seems to go and uh, we can't have nice things we have 20 years of brady we have 20 years of mahomes and soon i'll be an old man uh thinking about the glory days of when rich gannon was the best quarterback in the afc uh mm-hmm. we just can't have good things so that's why i think the chiefs will somehow find a way and then tony saragusa sits on him in the championship <laughs> game and everything's fine um I was kind of hoping that Jace would listen to your instructions and not talk about the Chiefs so I could swoop in and talk about the Chiefs because I wholeheartedly agree with Jace here. Um, Like, if you look at ESPN bet right now, and Jameson Hensley had this reported, the Ravens currently have the slight favorite to be the number one seed in the AFC. Please do not bet that. That is a ridiculous (laughs) bet. Uh, They're plus 225. The Chiefs and Dolphins. The Chiefs and Dolphins together, with with everything we know about the Chiefs, and the fact that they're a game behind now, are both plus 260. With the Jags, who I agree with Jace, the easiest schedule remaining, are plus 300 uh, to get to claim this number one seed. So pretty even, you would say. I, I would go with the Kansas City Chiefs as well. I know it's not the same. It's not the same Chiefs. It's not. It's really not. They have issues. And what we thought, you know, we thought their defense was going to kind of be the thing that would they could lean on now once their young receivers are getting going and trying to deal with the aging and distractions that Travis Kelsey has nowadays. Um, I won't say her name on this podcast. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Taylor Swift being everywhere. Taylor Swift got flexed out of Monday night because the Patriots are so bad. We'll, we'll get we'll get to that uh, a little bit later. I still take the Chiefs because I think it's, it's, it's a weird way the dominoes fall, right? I think the Bills can play – a little bit of spoiler for some of these teams. And I say that because the Chiefs have them next week and the Dolphins have them to end the year. So if the Chiefs beat the Bills this next week, 
that game at the end of the year might not mean anything for the Bills anymore. They might kind of be out of it. It's not going to be as tough for the Dolphins, which in a weird, obviously, it, in that way would help them. And but everybody, you know, everybody gets paid to play too. Whatever. Um, once the Chiefs beat the Bills, they are going to run the table. So they are going to be. If you look at the standings right now, so let's just say they beat them, they're going to end up. 13 and 4 still hate the 17 game math. They're going to end up 13 and 4. They just are because they're not losing to the Patriots in a game that got flexed out and even though Taylor Swift is going to be in the crowd. <laughs> ESPN did not want to cut away to Taylor Swift even though they knew that would get them a ton of ratings because the Patriots sucked that bad. You just need to keep emphasizing that. They're not going to lose to them. They're not going to lose to those Raiders who have nothing to play for anymore. The Bengals season will be over and then it's the Chargers at the end of the year. If Brandon Staley isn't fired by that point, which I think would be a surprise, they, they, then they're really not going to be playing for anything at the end of the year there. It's in LA. It's in LA. There's going to be 85% Chiefs fans. That might be a game to get the one seed. They'll probably put it on Sunday night. They're <laughs> they're going to like they're going to go 13 and 4 and run the table. Like I I have full confidence in that team even if it's not the same Chiefs team. I think it is interesting that the Ravens do kind of have this they have this thing in their own hands of like the Jaguars get the Ravens and the Dolphins get the Ravens and the Ravens get both of them. And they get the harder team, in my opinion, the Dolphins at home, which is so, so important in my opinion. I think that's a, a crucial, crucial thing for the Ravens to have that home game there in the freezing cold. I'm not going to be the old guy that said that offense might not travel, but that offense might not travel if it's 20 degrees outside. Like just, just saying the Dolphins are more than that. They're more than a gimmick team, but it's certainly a factor. Um, I think the Ravens have a great opportunity there. The problem with that is, um, I don't think there's going to be a letdown spot after a bye. Harbaugh's great after a bye. But uh, there's also the 49ers in San Francisco uh, on Christmas night. So, you know, get all your your merry cheer out of the way (laughs) around like 4 o'clock. And then really let the misery set in around 5, 8.15 kick. You might have to go to bed at halftime because it will be such a blowout. And I know everyone's all over the Niners right now because of the impressive win, which we'll get to later. But that's the best team in the league. If they've got everybody healthy, I, I'm very nervous about the Ravens trying to deal with that. It'll be a fun matchup, but that right there for me, that and then just a who the hell knows with the Steelers game at the end of the year, that kind of takes the Ravens out of contention for me. Pessimistic fans, sure. Um, Dolphins... I mean, look, it's really just the Cowboys and the Ravens here. Because if the Bills are already out of it, if they lose if they lose to the Chiefs, they, they got to win every game. If they lose to the Chiefs, they're kind of out of it. It's really just the Cowboys and, and the Ravens game. If the Cowboys lose to the Eagles next week, they might be out of the contention for a number one seed. So maybe that day game doesn't get as hard. All of this to say, if I power ranked these, I would go Chiefs. I'm going to take the Ravens out of it because I can't I can't get past my fandom. I apologize. I just can't. So I would put them four, and that's probably not fair. I, I just and four. I don't want the listeners yelling at me. I, I, that's how I just see it based on the schedule, and I'm sorry about that. And maybe it's just I haven't seen them in a week. Maybe they're way better, and that's fine, and what have you. And they and they pull off some crazy upset. They they beat the Jaguars and Dolphins and uh, and Niners, and the Steelers game doesn't even matter. How nice would that be? It won't happen. Um, out of the other three, I would go Chiefs, even being a game down. This could come back to bite me because of um, because of the Monday night game. I'll go Jaguars, 
slightly number two, and then Dolphins three. I think the Dolphins are a really, really good team. This is all to say that all these teams are really good. And the Ravens are going to have to beat these teams to compete. I think talent-wise, they're the most talented team in, in the AFC. I think the Dolphins are behind them, then the Chiefs, then the Jaguars. But in terms of schedule and how things play out and stepping up in big moments. All right, fine. I'll put them in there. Chiefs, Ravens, Jags, Dolphins. I don't know. I don't know why they're second now. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. But um, well, they're, they're second because they're a great team, Tim. They're the best. They're the best team of the four. I, I just <laughs> here's 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 the biggest here's the big overarching point in this. And maybe it's just this is a stupid take because the Chiefs are not as good as we think. And I'm just I you know. And admittedly, I didn't. I had to watch the replay of the rest of that game last night because I didn't stay up because I got an early alarm. What have you? I just don't think anybody is, like, stellar outside of the Niners. I think everybody's fine. There's levels of fine. The Ravens are certainly on that second level of fine. They're in the two to five best teams in the league. But there's the Niners who are, like, the holy crap team, which I feel like usually we get at least two of those teams. I think we only got one this year. And everybody else is kind of just like, meh. Which is why I'm so wishy-washy on the whole thing. Um, But, yeah, it... I don't know. It'll be fun. But like but like Antonio said, this is the gauntlet. Let's see it. And if the Ravens can come through this gauntlet unscathed injury-wise and battle-tested and battle-hardened a little bit, rather than just getting into a cakewalk and then all of a sudden you're getting smacked in the face with a really good team in the playoffs, it, it might benefit them. You know, it might benefit them. But, yeah, we'll have to see. Uh, I'm not – yeah, right. I'm not going to bring up the, the hot take question of uh... – if the Ravens just have a healthy Lamar Jackson, would you just give us the three or the four seat if that could be guaranteed? I don't, I don't even right. want the one and the two. I'm not going to go there, but I do want to. I do want to walk you guys through the Kansas City Chiefs last month plus. At Denver, they lose twenty-four to nine in a very ugly performance. They go to London and they play the Dolphins. They go up twenty-one nothing on the most ridiculous Tyreek Hill. Uh, fumble, pick up, return for a touchdown. Don't score in the second half and win that game 21 to 14. They play the Eagles and lose. They go to Vegas and they go down 14 nothing and then you know panic button and engaged and they win that game comfortably in the end, I'll admit. Then they go to Green Bay and they lose there by it. It has not been a clean month at all for this team and now we get into December. I kind of think the Bills, who have had the season from hell, can... You Do you know how badly... First of all, forget even the playoff stuff. How badly they want to beat this Chiefs team in, <laughs> in Arrowhead. I have a little bit of a feeling that this Chiefs team we know is vulnerable. And the Bills are desperate. And they can actually pull a few plays together and finally end up on the, you know... Bills getting the ball last scenario and winning a football game. And if they do that, the Chiefs would be two games in the loss column, let's say, two losses behind the Ravens. I think the Ravens can lose to the 49ers, go 4-1, and one, and still end up with that top seed. I'm just walking through scenarios, Tim. We're just, we're just we're talking, we're hashing it out. I think the Jags could lose to us. I think they will drop another game. The Dolphins, you get into that cold weather, I see them maybe losing to us in Baltimore, maybe losing another game here and there. And then we'll have the last game against the Steelers, and it'll be the most stressful uh, <laughs> uh, three hours of our entire life uh, at Talk. home. But it's it's there. 
it's there, and I don't think the Ravens have to be perfect, I guess, is the point that I make. You can drop a game, and there are still scenarios that wouldn't be kind of absurd, wouldn't be crazy, and they can end up with that top with that top seed. And I, I was attempting to pull up the exact number. The Dolphins have not won in Buffalo, right, in quite a few years now. They seem to always kind of struggle up there. Uh, I, I just think back a few years ago, they played that game that the Bills didn't even need. Uh, and it was winning in for the Dolphins and two or three, three interceptions. And that's kind of the game that got, I believe, got Brian Flores fired. Uh, so I'm kind of with you, Antonio. I think, like, the funniest thing would be, like, I, I, because the Ravens are a play-to-your-competition team, I could see a world where they lose to the Rams on Sunday and then beat the 49ers on <laughs> Christmas night. Like, it's very oh yeah, very oh, doable. Absolutely. I guess what's exciting is that they just the Ravens do have the opportunity. It is going to stress me out a lot. Um, it's not going to be good. Oh God, yeah. The Bills haven't won in like Dolphins haven't won in Buffalo in like a decade. So let like. me let me let me just <laughs> let me just jump in there because it is the home game. The Dolphins game. Oh, is a it's home it's game in Miami. Okay, my bad. It's in Miami. It is in Miami. So that point is a little bit a moot. But just to to emphasize that October first, uh, the Bills beat uh, the Dolphins forty-eight to twenty in Orchard Park. And here, and I will just I'll turn this here for the Dolphins. Um, Dolphins ain't beat nobody yet. Let's look at their wins here. Uh, they've beaten the Chargers. They've beaten the Patriots. They've beaten the Broncos when the Broncos weren't the Broncos. Uh, they got smacked by the Bills. They beat the Giants. Woo! They beat the Panthers. They lost to the Eagles. They beat the Patriots again. They lost to the Chiefs. They beat the Raiders. They beat the Jets. And then they beat the Commanders. You got to play who's in front Weak. of you. And if, it, and if it's a Ravens team, I'm saying the same damn thing. But I'll tell you this. Roquan Smith and Kyle Hamilton company aren't getting burned over the top like eight times like the Commanders did uh, in that game. It's just not happening. Maybe once or twice. Tyreek Hill is very good and probably should be the MVP of the league. But not that many times. They, they haven't beat anybody yet, which, you know, again, I don't think it's a gimmicky team. I think they've got a really good defense now, too, which I think helps. But there's something there. There's something there to expose. And maybe, you know... As Antonio mentioned, the inconsistency of the Jaguars as well. Maybe the Ravens really are in a one-two battle with the Chiefs there. Maybe that Packers win was bigger than we thought. Who knows? But, you know, tough schedule coming up. Meanwhile, Lamar Jackson, as we get into December here, the numbers were better than I uh, remembered. He has well, he has 25, when, he plays, when he plays. He has a 25-4 to touchdown-to-interception ratio in his career in December. He has a 13 and 3 record in December. Tim, were 12 of those 13 wins from 2020 or earlier? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, they were. Uh, in 2021, he went 1 and 1 in December and he was hurt during the Browns game, did not play again. 2022, <laughs> technically 1 and 0 in December, injured during the Broncos game, did not play again. Can he survive December 2023? And if he does, watch out NFL. That's all. I mean, <laughs> it's very annoying that it may just it come down to that. Um, it, it just can't happen three straight years. <laughs> That's what I just keep telling myself. But now, why here, would you say that? Well, <laughs> why would you say that? Uh, Not it's bigger than Jace. Wood, it's bigger it. than Jace. Oh, oh, God, Jesus. Though I do believe in all these stupid superstitions. There's nothing I can say that I can impact anything, Tim. I see. This is what I I remember when a, we have a bye week. Nothing I do or say will impact if the Ravens win or not. Y'all are ask crazy. me again next Sunday. I will have a very different opinion. <laughs> 
let's look at some other games and teams uh, in the NFL. Some you know the, the more fun games to, to talk about because there were some there were some fun ones and there were some funny ones. Uh, 49ers, we we've touched on them. My goodness, um, I very much enjoyed that the Eagles uh, acknowledged that their linebackers got exposed. So then they just turned around and got. Uh, Shaq Leonard, who was uh, <laughs> released by the Colts and now just immediately bolstered their linebacking core. That's what contending teams do. Um, Chargers-Pats, I wrote my note in here. I can't say it on the show, but uh, what the hell? I mean, 6 nothing. it's just not right. The pa- you, can't, you cannot tell me that the Patriots aren't uh, tanking, like strategically tanking. They're scoring somehow less and less points every week. Uh, I talked about the under- Last week, about you, you should really just be betting Pat's unders. Well, the total was six uh, in their game against the Chargers, so that's still something that's working. The over-under for Pat's Steelers is, I believe, 30 and a half. Haven't seen a number that low uh, in quite a while, so that one's fun. Uh, and then my last note about the NFL this week, just terrible, terrible officiating everywhere for both teams on back-to-back plays. You guys saw it in the Chiefs-Packers game. Um, there was a horrendous call in the Texans, uh, Texans Broncos, where there was a very clear fumble that was then recovered by the Texans, and they called it a forward progress. P- was, forward progress was stopped, so it can't be a fumble. There was no whistle. They just decided after the fumble that forward progress was stopped. Some remarkable stuff uh, from from the officials this weekend, and I feel like it has been a a weekly conversation this year, and at some point something has to give. I'm not sure how, uh, but it's a you know point of emphasis this off season uh, should be not specific calls, but the referees themselves. And I'm not sure how we fix it. I, I don't know what you do. It's because it's the worst in all sports. I think the NFL refereeing, at least where it is, because. I mean, if, if this is a game where you play so many games on the margins in the NFL, like every game's, what, a one-score game, basically. Or, like, what, f- at least 50% of NFL games are one-score games. And so that's, like, where officiating does matter. It's easy to just kind of hand-wave and say, like, don't let the officials impact you. But, yeah, they could, like, decide these games because the teams are on such razor-thin margins in difference between each other because of the parity. And the refs detract from games. I mean, I'm sure I haven't listened to a ton of the national shows, but I'm sure that's all they're talking about is the end of that that Packers game. And, and you know, I'm not I'm not Mike Tirico. I'm not Chris Collinsworth. I'm not a fan of calling a flag on a Hail Mary attempt, but every other uh, non-call and call that happened on that last Packers uh, Chiefs se- sequence was kind of a disgrace. <laughs> the Mahomes drawing a, a roughing call when he's a runner hit inbounds. That was yeah. insane. Uh, and then they follow that up by completely swallowing their whistle when a way more blatant pass interference call than anything that had happened in the game occurs. It, it's just, uh, they gave Valdez Scantling, they marked him out of bounds when he clearly was like stopped in bounds on forward progress. Like there, it was just, it was all kinds of disaster on that last sequence. And it, yeah, it, it really takes away, I think from just sort of how, how good the sport is. I don't have solutions for it, but yeah, like, I mean, people complain about like balls and strikes and baseball and hockey refs, just not calling penalties in the playoffs, which is what they do every year. And, uh, um, you know, NBA refs, they could get ticky-tacky, but you can expect all these things. There's no rhyme or reason to anything NFL refs do, and it's 
uh, it just makes it the worst by far to me. I, I, I don't have solutions, but yeah, I guess this was an impromptu what's bothering Jason. <laughs> but you nailed it, Antonio. It's just it's such a problem. I mean, I think it's funny because you'll hear like fans of other sports, and obviously my job is in another sport, and we'll have people that are like, the NFL does it so well compared <laughs> to like VAR. And I'm um, not here to get into I don't get paid enough to do that when I'm not technically working. Um, don't get paid enough to talk about it when I am working. So <laughs> not, not gonna do not gonna do it here. But I hear that, and I'm just like, th- this cannot be the standard. And the the standard is just so ridiculous. Um, where you know a lot of these guys, that's why there was a ref strike, you know, years ago because the guys had to be part time and have other jobs and all this stuff and what have you. It's hard because the easy solution would or the the what you think is the easy solution is, well, we should bring back those challenges or like within two minutes every pass interference is um, reviewable, just like a fumble or something, but. The problem with that is, is when we had challenges, there was clearly a directive from the league not to overturn stuff. One, clearly, like, I don't care how much they say that wasn't the case. They never over, they overturned like one in the year that we had this. And two, everything looks worse in slow-mo. Everything looks worse in slow-mo, so they're going to get called, like, if they do bring it up and then they kind of like, say, hey, we need to probably overturn a couple more of these. There's going to be a ridiculous amount, and that'll be the arguing point for fans. I think one way that it could help, and this it flies in the face a little bit of the argument I just made there of, of the slow-mo stuff, or maybe you only play it in real time, what have you, is you have somebody in a booth that is looking at a screen that can get into the ref's ear, and if it's an egregious call, egregious call like there has to be some sort of excuse me some sort of line whether it's time of game whether it's only certain types of penalties like 45 yard pass interference penalties whether it's um you know anything like that where a somebody gets in a ref's ear and says hey antonio you got to look at this like we got to stop play right now you have to go to the monitor and look at this there's something wrong and maybe you do it where they can't look at a slow-mo angle. They can only look in real time. So it doesn't affect that. Maybe you do something of that way. But there's just so much, so many bad calls in the NFL. And I, and I don't, I'm, yeah, I don't really know how, other than that, other than that one harebrained idea, how you kind of fix things. Not to, I mean, I'm going to be very, very specific here, but on the, in the Chiefs, game when they um they threw the flag on the mahomes uh scrambling hit there is a ref closer to the play who does not throw a flag and it ends up being i don't know the the term of the type of the side judge or whatever the actual term is but it's a ref on the sidelines further down the field throws the flag and you see him run in and they all kind of huddle and I, I'm not reading lips, uh, I don't have a microphone on the field, but the way that they're interacting looks like one of the refs, and it might be the head uh, official, asking the ref who threw the flag, like, are you sure? Or like, did you really see that? And because you, you see him just kind of go like demonstrably shaking his head, like, yeah, yeah, like I definitely saw it. Like he wanted to be, like the emotion had gotten to him in making the call where he's being challenged by another ref and he's like even more certain now because he threw it and he's getting called out on it by another ref. Yes, no, I definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's wrong by a lot. 
So <laughs> even the aspect of like the confidence aspect or the like I need to be right aspect is something that I'm not sure how you fix, but it seems like a problem. Getting younger is something maybe yeah. <laughs> is a way to address this also. But I feel like a lot of times you have these like veteran officials who've been doing it for so long that like they know and they do things that it looks like a call. So they just throw the flag and then they are adamant about it and they aren't really right, visibly right, factually right. It's frustrating. It's difficult. Um, good luck, NFL. I, I, you know, something to sort out. More technology, as, as Tim was mentioning, chipping the ball uh, to solve some of the dumber uh, things that, <laughs> that they do for marking the marking the <laughs> down and all that. If the ball, if they've scored, if they've crossed the goal line, if they've gotten first downs. Yeah, uh, little things that you can try to do to, to fix a, a bigger problem, certainly. Um, anything else, guys, from, from the NFL this past week before we turn to Ravens-Rams? Yeah, I'll just go quickly here. Um, just running down like the scores from ESPN and the things that kind of grab my attention. Um, maybe the Colts loss wasn't – no, no, no. The Colts loss was still egregious and still terrible. But the Colts are okay. The Colts are an okay football team who – not going to lie, and I hate saying this because you don't ever want to, like, give the Colts bulletin board material. Who knows what Ursay listens to. Wouldn't <laughs> mind seeing them in the wild card, though, especially with the added revenge factor, and we're not going to screw this up again. But Shane Steichen's a great coach. Gardner Minshew is doing enough uh, in the absence of Anthony Richardson. And the good, good team. Solid for the Colts fans who I think didn't have any hope. Uh, going when Anthony Richardson got hurt. So, you know, just interesting from them. Not to give them too much praise. I hate the Colts. Um, <laughs> we mentioned the Chargers-Patriots, and one thing that you did forget, the Chargers covered their spread, <laughs> which was minus five and a half, and they scored six points. NFL's <laughs> fixed, Tim. It's fixed. It's minus script. five That's and script a half. right there. They covered minus five and a half. The Chargers covered. Everybody went, Chargers Anything more than minus two and a half, do not take that. Well, the Chargers covered, and they were celebrating on the sidelines with a rousing 6 nothing victory, um, which is just egregious. Um, the Lions can't stop a nosebleed, but the Saints, my God. I, I, I heard a stat because I did listen to some of the national podcasts before this. Like, next year, the Saints are going to be $71 million over the cap. <laughs> and, like, I get that the I get that the cap isn't real, but some point you got to blow that up um and if you're a lions fan look you're just enjoying this right it's the lions are good the lions are most likely going to host a home playoff game um uh, but you, you got to be a little bit cynical like this the tim fans in you are like oh but we can't stop anything on defense this team isn't going anywhere um the jets put in trevor simeon to add a quote spark to their offense I'll just leave that one there, and we'll move on. That's the most depressing statement of all time. Uh, we, we talked about the Dolphins being the Dolphins. And, and really, yeah, I mean, that's all I kind of got. The Niners game, man, the Niners-Eagles game was another – we've had a lot of really, like, you know, highly touted games coming in, and, and a lot of them have lived up. I think it's been a pretty good NFL season. I think it's a lot because most teams are kind of mediocre. But 49ers beat the brakes off of them. You wonder, the Niners talked a lot of trash, and good for them, they backed it up. You just wonder pissing off Philly fans if it has to go back to Philly for a conference championship. Um, we don't have to talk about big security Don, who apparently everybody <laughs> in the Pennsylvania area already knew. And now he's, I, th that was, he, he kind of got into it with a player, and he's not a coach. 
seemed a little weird to me, but it, Philly loves him. And trust me, if he was wearing purple and black, I think he'd like I'd get a tattoo of him on my forearm <laughs> right now. Uh, but a little bit, a little bit of a weird thing there, and obviously it didn't end up working out because the Niners from there kind of blew their doors off. I, I, I wonder. Are the Niners too good to be a team like so many teams this year where they get talked about in the media a lot because they have the statement win of the previous week and then start to lay an egg? And it's like this ebb and flow that almost every quote-unquote good team in the NFL this year has suffered. Are the Niners too good for that? Maybe. But let's just see. It's something to monitor because I think... It's, I don't know. I was watching the game, and it's one of those things where they, they're beating the brakes off the Eagles, right? They're exposing the middle of the field. Debo, who, good on him. He talked a lot of trash, and he backed it up, and that's great, and that's what you need to do because it's embarrassing if you don't. But it was another, to, to zag a little bit, it was another comfortable win for the Niners. Can they do it when they're down? Like, like the old Ravens, the Roman Ravens. Can they do it down 10 with, you know, 10 minutes left in the game? Or is it the dink and dunk stuff and the over the middle, like matriculating the ball down the field, which you love to see, but sometimes you need a little more explosion? It's a weird thing to say for a team that has Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, and Brandon Ayuk. Like, I understand that. But it just seemed in a, in a take a step back 24 hours now from the game, and, and even further when you're listening to this, it was just another comfortable win for the Niners, and maybe they're just that good. But you always worry about the team that's just that good. And then they get punched in the face once in the playoffs, and it's like, okay. I don't know. It's just something to watch. Um, I still think, like I said earlier, that the class of the NFL. And then, so maybe you can see, you can accuse me of talking out of both sides of my mouth, and that's fine. But um, just something, something to monitor there for the Niners. Are they good enough where they're going to overcome this thing that no other team has overcome this year? The holy crap, everybody's talking about us. Now we're going to fall flat on our face back down to earth. I hadn't thought about that angle, Tim, but in looking at their results, they have not w- actually won a game by less than a touchdown since week two. They beat the Rams 30-23. to And, like, it is weird because, obviously, you want to go on the road and beat the one seed 42-19. to that's, that, that's kind of sending a message. They kicked them in the mouth, and that's great. But you're right. It is weird. They haven't won, like... A narrow game. Their losses, they lose those three straights, 19-17 to the Browns, 22-17 to Kirk Cousins, uh, the Vikings, and then the, the Bengals kind of whipped them, 31-17, when it looked like they were rounding into form. But they've just been hammering teams again since their bye week, and so, I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. I hadn't thought about it. There is an outside chance. Um, I hadn't thought about it too much, but... Uh, that the Niners get the one seed in the NFC, which I think would yeah. definitely change things. Because aside from us, their other remaining games are the Seahawks at home, at the Cardinals, at the Commanders, who have given up, I believe, it's 100 points in three games. And uh, then they close with the Rams in uh, in Santa Clara to end the season. So, I mean, they there's a very real chance the Niners win out, uh, and they have the tiebreaker over the Eagles. So the Eagles certainly, they play the Cowboys, but they close with the Giants and the, twice and the Cardinals, so they don't have the, the hardest finish. But, yeah, I, I thought, I thought it, it, the, the closer we got to the game, I thought the Niners might win. I, I didn't see it being quite so one-sided as it ended up being, and, and I just completely agree with you. I, I think 
I assume they're the favorites to win the Super Bowl today, and I think they have to be. I think they're clearly the the best team in the NFL, given everything we see on the the AFC side and what we talked about today, and then on the NFC side, yeah, they just went to the number one seed with one loss and beat them forty two to nineteen. So like, well, what more could you do, really? That's kind of sending a message. So they're so good. I mean, I, I don't I don't get the Brock Purdy thing. I don't think I ever will. Um, but he's good. Uh, he's a good player, and they're a great team. So, yeah, I was it was really really impressive. Let's turn to the Ravens now, at home, hosting the LA Rams. Ravens seven and a half point favorites in this one. Boy, that's an annoying half point. Um, the Rams, I would say, are the definition of an average football team they have a six and six record they have a plus 15 point differential which is pretty you know pretty small they are 15th in passing yards 15th in rushing yards 13th in points for 15th in points against and 16th in yards against but they are winners of three straight they had stafford out for a stretch but he's now back relatively healthy i guess um so an interesting Interesting is how I would put this. It is an interesting matchup between the Rams and the Ravens. Obviously, Baltimore, the more talented team on both sides of the ball, um, at home, coming off the bye. But the Rams have done some some you know positive things in the last few weeks. They're trying to make a playoff run, uh, and we're going to start with the Ra- Ravens' offense. Excuse me, against the Rams' defense. Uh, Ravens again coming off a bye. Can the rhythm return to, to those 30-point offensive performances with some time to rest, get healthy, integrate some new things into the playbook, uh, maybe? And, and how do we see this going um, at home in the friendly confines of M&T Bank Stadium? I mean, coming off a bye and at home, um, you, you kind of like to think that they would get back to their, their winning ways here, right, in terms of the offensive side of the football. Um, I think it's... It's, it's a lot of a just Aaron Donald and everybody else. You know, you're looking at the Rams' depth chart and you pull it up and not a lot on that defensive depth chart that you recognize or know. And I think that was kind of the running theme going in, right, with this team. It was a lot of, oh, God, they're, they're going to do that on defense? They're going to be miserable. They were supposed to be one of the worst teams in the foot, in National Football League. There were talks of try and trade Matt Stafford or get out of Matt Stafford or sit Stafford if he gets hurt and go for the Caleb Williams thing and keep him in LA. Like there was a lot of that. Um, and they've been okay, but yeah, I Josh John, John Johnson, the third, excuse me, is there, but not a lot scares me on that Rams defense. I think the Ravens offense coming off a bye, getting more practice time in getting Keaton Mitchell more involved in practice. I'm sure as well. This is, I think this is the, which, you know, should be comfortable for the Ravens, right? This is the side of the football where they should win the game. And then the defense, who has been great, doesn't even really have to worry about the likes of Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua, Jesus, easy for me to say. Robbie Havenstein, shout out Ligonor Jace. And Kyron Williams as well, you know, and we'll get to that side of the ball in a second. But yeah, I think this is... The Ravens offense needs to go into this game thinking we're going to win the... You know, the defense has carried us for a couple games, and the defense has been the story of the season, All even with some of the changes on the offensive side of the football. I think the defense has kind of been the dominant force. 
let's see the offense flex that muscle a little bit and um, and kind of lead the way here on Sunday. And I think they should, and I think they will. It's kind of easy to forget because they're in this stretch. I believe it was, what, one game in 23 days? Uh, and, and so they haven't played a lot. And so it's easy kind of to forget for me that this is only, you know, game two since Mark Andrews has gone out. And, mm. um, you know, see if, I guess, they get Isaiah Likely more involved. Um, I know uh, I kind of wanted to bring this up earlier. I don't know what you all think of uh, – certainly he's not going to play this week if it even happens at all. But Zach Ertz is floating out there. I don't know if that's someone the Ravens might pursue. I don't know if that would be a long-term – Harbaugh play. basically did do a we like our guys thing. Uh, of course he yeah. did. He also said he was optimistic that uh, Justin Matabike and Marlon Humphrey would play in this game. So we'll, we'll see if they're on the field on the defensive side. But, uh, yeah, I – it, it, it's hard. I, I, I'm generally optimistic they'll be able to move the ball. It, it's kind of you never know with this team. I, I think it could go very easily one of two ways, just knowing how the Ravens have seemingly operated forever. They either come out flying, and I think they score like 35 points in this game, or uh, they fall completely. They play just a completely flat quarter and a half, and everything's rusty, and Lamar's just miss, 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 miss. It could go one of two ways. I certainly hope it's the former, and I think it'll be the former just because we kind of talked about like their talent outside of Aaron Donald, which is a big if. He still looks pretty good, even if the sack numbers aren't quite there from what they used to be. I mean, just in in Sunday's game, we saw, you know, he, he forces a pressure on – the game's kind of over, but he forces a pressure on Flacco into a, a grounding penalty and then ends the game with a safety uh, sack. So he he's still he can still get after it and he's he's still pretty much one of the leaders in pressure rate among interior defensive linemen. So he'll be a handful and certainly I think we talked about the our offensive line wasn't exactly great against the Chargers. <laughs> so hopefully so some some rest time for Ronnie Stanley's Morgan Moses those guys who've been banged up. Linderbaum who's probably been battling through an injury all season. Um Hopefully it helps them. And so I'm optimistic just because I don't think, yeah, outside of Donald, the Rams have those difference makers. But, again, I'm, I'm not going to be shocked if we get a, a flat performance and missing Mark Andrews uh, is still uh, still a thing and, and uh, they randomly give the ball to Keaton Mitchell three times and then stop. Like, I'm not going to be stunned by any of those things. Jace, I am going to be stunned uh, if, that, <laughs> if that happens. I think they're going to have a very open – playbook with some nice new wrinkles um, that, the, that the Rams haven't seen and haven't been able to, to prepare for. I would hope that the philosophy for this game offensively is, it's very funny, we, you know, we do these notes ahead of the show and then go through the podcast, and I wrote, where is Aaron Donald in my notes, and then Jace added some stuff, and I think Jace thought I meant, where has he been this season? But I actually meant, like, where is he on the field on every Find play? <laughs> that is what I want the Ravens to do. Double him every single play, completely eliminate him. I'm sure other teams have tried to do this. I would wonder how much success they have had. But that should be plan A, B, C, and D. Eliminate him from the game plan and have these other Rams who are much less known, much lower pedigree, have them beat you, have them make plays. I'm optimistic about the Ravens. The, like the first 15, you know, those first 15 plays that, that you map out, they are good with those when they have a lot of time to prepare it. And here's the opportunity to do so against, you know, I said it at the top, a very average uh, defense that the Rams that the Rams have. 
Defensively, for the Ravens, um, attacking this Rams offense that I swear has four of the exact same type of receiver that used to have one in Cup, then they got Skoranek, now they have Coop, uh, and now they have Nakua. Uh, it's very weird. Um, defensively, will our physicality overpower them, or will we be chasing these little guys uh, all over the field uh, as they get uh, yak after yak after yak? Kyron Williams is a guy, too, to watch, the running back for the Rams, who has been very, very good this year. Um, yeah, this, this to me, I don't really have an answer to your question, because I could see either, and I think some of it depends on those injuries as well, like Marlon Humphrey, like Jace mentioned. But I think this actually is a coordinator battle. I think Sean McVay is one of the best call, uh, play callers in the National Football League. He absolutely owned Jim Schwartz and that Ravens-like Browns defense. Is that what they were? No, no, no. Okay, that's ridiculous because just the most inaccurate statement of all time, even as it was being made early on in the year. But, you know, a good Browns defense. um, Some would say great. I would disagree. Sean McVay totally owned Jim Schwartz and that defensive unit uh, for the Browns. And obviously the Browns don't have as much to, you know, on the offensive side to kind of mitigate issues. And the Browns defense has to be stellar 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 for them to win games the Ravens don't necessarily have that issue but I think Mike McDonald versus Sean McVay is the matchup here this is the key like big time matchup what does McDonald have cooked up for Sean McVay and what does Sean McVay how does Sean McVay um you know neutralize a guy like Kyle Hamilton how does he deal with the ever presence of Roquan Smith how does he scheme things up so that Patrick Queen can't come on those, you know, shoot up the gap blitzes and get it to Matt Stafford's face. I think Matt Stafford has been playing really well this year as well. You know, just kind of under the radar balling out because they're just a nothing team. The the definition of mediocrity, as Antonio has said, but a lot of that's because not a lot of talent, especially on the defense side of the ball. And Matt Stafford has just been on one. He, I would not be surprised to see him go off in this game. Um, but I think, you know, it really comes down to, what does Mike McDonald have? This is another prove-it spot for Mike McDonald. He has eviscerated Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator for, for the Lions, and many others uh, on the way to this dominant defense that the Ravens have. McVay, from a pure play-calling standpoint, maybe not talent, but pure play-calling standpoint, might be his toughest test yet. And so we'll have to see how he handles that. And you know me, boys. I'm here to see the defense, so I'm excited to watch. Well, McVeigh, and you mentioned it, 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 this got me thinking, Tim, him combined with Stafford, and is Stafford the best QB the Ravens have faced to this point in the season? I think it kind of depends, like, your thoughts on the state of Burrow's injury in week two. Obviously, he goes out injured in their Thursday night football game, and Deshaun, how healthy was he? Deshaun Watson, he obviously, season ended after he played the Ravens, so... Uh, I think it, I think you could definitively say he is. Yeah, because so, you go you go Stroud early, injured Burrow, uh, Minshew, Dorian Thompson Robinson, <laughs> Pickett, uh, Tannehill, Jared Goff, Josh Dobbs, I think, <laughs> Geno Smith, uh, Deshaun Watson, uh, Burrow, and then Jake, uh, whatever his name is, and then Justin Herbert. But like, 
we did that the last two <laughs> weeks about doing the Justin Herbert thing again. So, yeah, there's definitely an argument there. Yeah, and that, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, well, they did pretty good against Herbert, but I do think Stafford's better than Herbert, at least this season. You mentioned he's been slinging it. That touchdown he threw to Puka Nakua on, on Sunday was just crazy. It was, you know, he, he ran a good route, but he just dropped it in there, and uh, Nakua was able to just run the rest of the way. So he can still sling it. He can't really move, so I think that's, uh, you know, for a Ravens team that is – I believe still first in the NFL. I don't know if that's changed with us having the week off, but uh, was first in the NFL in sacks. If they can get after Stafford, you know, he's 35 years old. He was never fleet of foot. Uh, he's even less so now uh, and been dealing with, you know, hip and back injuries the last several years, including this season he's been banged up. So if they can get after him, certainly they can make it a better day. But if they don't, he, he could pick them apart, and, and you know, I, I have at least some marginal concerns just because you mentioned the Browns and, and McVay and what they did. The Browns didn't get any sacks, and I know Garrett was hurt. You know, he couldn't move his arm the week before and stuff like that, and clearly didn't seem the same. He didn't get on the stat sheet, basically, um, and they just had two QB hits. But I think that if, as you said, Tim, if McDonald can find a way to get pressure on Stafford, I, I, I think – they can have success. I'm not as worried about, uh, you know, Cup could light them up, I guess, but <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm i not as worried with him, especially if, if Humphrey's back, if they can just put pressure on, on Stafford. Let me take all of you down the memory lane uh, a little bit. The Rams played the Ravens in Baltimore in the mm. Rams Super Bowl winning season two years ago, and it was gross for the I was Rams. There. They, they won. There. There you go. They won uh, a very sloppy game in the rain, 20-19, to 19, uh, the Rams did. And that was in a uh, Huntley era, uh, you know, Huntley starting era Ravens team when they had 8,000 injuries even outside of the quarterback position. And the Ravens led for the vast majority of that football game. Stafford threw a pick six, threw another interception later. Uh, the defense played really well, but the Ravens just couldn't get enough from Huntley uh, the forecast for this Sunday, more rain. As you know, we're still a week out, so obviously this stuff can change. But it's literally sun, 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 and then rain uh, on Sunday. So <laughs> hopefully that changes, but might have another similar, uh, similar type atmosphere. Look, I'm just I'm going into my I'm going into my pick right now. I think the pressure that the Ravens get defensively is going to be the difference in this game. Stafford may have a few. You know, annoying, good throws. The couple have a couple of third and sevens that he converts that we get irritated by. But on the whole, um, I, I think the Ravens really take care of business here. I I, I want to take Rams plus seven and a half so badly. But I've been terrible with my Ravens picks. I'm zagging myself uh, on this one. <laughs> the Ravens are coming off a bye. They're going to look sharp and fresh at home against an average team without a lot of depth. Um, the box score for that Browns-Rams game, I think, is a little deceiving. As Jace mentioned earlier at the top, they were in a actual battle with one-week signed 38-year-old Joe Flacco at home until late in the fourth quarter. That's not the same situation that they will be facing uh, in this game. I have the Ravens winning by 10, uh, maybe even a little bit more. I think the bank is going to be loud. You know, they haven't been there. They haven't been there in weeks, uh, the fans, so they're going to be excited about this. They know what the situation is um, with this team trying to get a number one seed. Uh, and I just think it's too much. You know, I, I think the Ravens have been good, too. Maybe this is so anecdotal, but 
I think the Ravens tend to play well when it's a situation of their depth against another team's superstars. They lose games when it's yeah depth against depth, or they fall asleep at the wheel, or it's a, a bad team and they just aren't up for it. But with two weeks to prepare, um, they watch what you know. They watch what the Rams did against against the Browns. I, I just don't see it here. I think the Ravens actually end up with a double-digit win, and, and Stafford uh, has a few bruises heading back to the West Coast. Um, I've been pretty decent on Ravens picks this year. Um, I never bet them in real life because I it's too much emotional damage as it is. You know, financial damage can't be the same. I, I have a simple rule here, and it's pessimism, it's pessimism, it's pessimism. It's more than seven, I'm betting the other team. Rams plus seven and a half, Ravens win by uh I, i'm kind of with tim this week uh i i i feel like i've generally actually been picking the ravens more this year than maybe i have in, in years past but i i just see it's more of the number i do think the ravens win this game i don't think it's all that close but i just see the potential for like a dumb backdoor cover or like a touchdown that makes it exactly seven points <laughs> with, you know, uh, a minute to go or something. And there's an onside kick that we recover and that's that or something. Um, one thing, apparently Demarcus Robinson's on the Rams. Uh, there's like a non-zero chance he has some stupid good play or a touchdown against us. So factor that in, I guess, to your, your scores accordingly. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I just, I, I do think, you know, uh, I, I, I lean less that there will be less rust, I guess. I, I do think they'll come out sharp, and I think they'll win. Uh, but it's really just the number uh, for me. So I am picking the Rams, but the Ravens should win. And the rain does scare me a little bit, Antonio, you bringing that up. I, I was not aware of it. And, uh, you know, I don't – until we see Lamar play a great – not that anyone plays great in the rain, I guess, but Lamar certainly never has. So uh, that's, I guess, something to monitor. So, yeah, I'll go with the Rams uh, this week. Jason and I are just so dumb. We're just so, like, so scared. We're so scared. We just did 15 minutes on how the Ravens are clearly better. The Rams are not that great. We're not that worried. Rams plus seven and a half because, God forbid, I bet more than seven of the Ravens. Uh, I will say for the real the real gambles out there, Ravens in a tease is uh, mm, yeah. intriguing, if, yeah. I dare, if I dare say so. Um, I'm going to go through my, my other picks. Uh, as well, two and zero last week. Uh, I'm waiting on this Monday night game. I had the Jags in a tease, uh, locked up the first two legs. I'm waiting on Jags minus one and a half. Uh, feeling pretty good about that, uh, and that would be a three and zero. But for the now, for the record, for now, two and zero last week. Eighteen and twenty on the season. It's been a slog, but we are clawing back, and we will be uh, in winning ways uh, by by the end of the season. My other two picks outside of the Ravens. Lions minus three uh, at the Bears. Look, I I get it. They just played in Detroit two weeks ago, and they won with Goff's worst game in years. I think he had three interceptions in that game. They had to come from behind late. The line in Detroit when the Bears played in Detroit was seven and a half. So I guess Vegas saw all of these things. It's now in Chicago. It's outdoors, but they moved it all the way down to three. That's too low. It should be like five. I'm taking those free points. I'm taking the Lions. I'm taking the playoff team fighting for the number one seed in the NFC to win by more than a field goal against that terrible Bears offense. Give me Bears minus three. And then my last pick is after 
hoping that Joe Flacco could get win 100 uh, against the Jaguars. I am betting against it. (laughs) Jags minus three at the Browns. Flacco against Lawrence. Really, that's it for me. Uh, But also the the recent starter second game challenge. Uh, I think that is something that happens a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have some. They do some good things, or they're a little frisky. And then all of a sudden, defenses have a week of tape to, to review and, and find tendencies. I think that happens here. Uh, and I think the Jags win this by double digits. So I love the Jags minus three at the Browns. I'll just go quickly here. Um, I love those two. They're not in my final one. I would also say Colts minus two and a half away to Cincy is interesting as well. Uh, I, I like all those. Don't love them. They're not in my final. Uh, one and two last week, uh, 21 and 14 on the year. Uh, Rams plus seven and a half. I'm also going, I've been all over them all year, and one little loss isn't going to scare me, and they're going to be pissed off. Give me the Eagles plus three and a half away to the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday Night Football. You're saying more than a field goal. Dallas ain't beat nobody, and and the Eagles need this. The Eagles need a big bounce-back spot. They go into Dallas. They play a little bit of bully ball. They're tush-pushing all over the place. Jerry Jones is losing his mind in the box absolutely tries to get a ban the following year Um, but eagles (laughs) plus three and a half away to dallas on sunday night football it's too many points it's too many points that should be a pick them game two and a half i'd be scared three and a half i'm not scared um so i'm taking the plus three and a half there and then i was looking through not a ton of stuff that i loved 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 and then i stumbled across those sandy or san diego la chargers excuse me the la chargers are at home it doesn't matter that doesn't count especially when a team with a big following comes into play. They're playing a division rival Denver Broncos team who, you know, fell back down to earth a little bit against the Houston Texans this week in one of the more entertaining games of the weekend, but still better than we all thought after the 70 to 20. So I'm like the Broncos. Okay. You know, away doesn't uh, home and away doesn't matter when it's Sandy, uh, the LA chargers. Jesus, I'm going to keep doing that. The Broncos are probably what? Like minus three, they're probably maybe minus three and a half, something that scares me away. No, no, the Chargers are favored in this game at minus two and a half. So it's Broncos plus two and a half. I can smell the cheese, but I'm hungry and I'm eating it anyway. And you know what? I'm not taking the plus two and a half. I'm going money line and getting the better odds on the Broncos. They're just going to win this game. There's going to be 75% orange jerseys in the stands. They're going to bounce back. The Chargers are dead. They are dead. Kill them. Dead. Done. Dusted. Dead. They're dead. Brandon Staley, at time of recording, still has a job after only putting up six points on the Patriots. It's absurd that this team is favored to anybody. Give give me the money line here on the Broncos, just so people at home... As of right now, as we record, Broncos plus two and a half was minus 106. The money mo- money line, excuse me, is plus 122. I'm taking that. Broncos money line against the Chargers. They're winning that football game. They just are. And the Chargers stink. So I'm going to bet them against them any way I can. That uh, line and matchup was just like, it was made for Tim Horsey to bet. <laughs> I, I cannot believe how perfectly that, that worked out. And, and, and I'm the rat eating the cheese. I know it. I will accept it when we get off this podcast or uh, next week when we talk. But I can't, I can't not bet that for now. Well, I'm in a, a similar boat, Tim. And we were talking, you mentioned earlier, uh, dumb takes of mine. Lions minus three is such a lock. I'm scared away from taking it. 
So what I am taking and why I'm a sucker is, is it I'm Panthers? Taking... Jason, is it Panthers again? <laughs> no Panthers this no, week. No. I looked at them for half a second. I saw the plus five and a half and I said, the Saints are real bad. And then I said, no, no, you can't bet on a one and 11 New coach bounce in the second week. I don't know. But despite all the signs, the flashing red lights and the very possibility that they're just not that good as you, we kind of outlined in the show and Antonio, you walked us through their last month. I'm taking the Chiefs minus two and a half at home at Arrowhead Stadium against the Buffalo Bills and uh, Patrick Mahomes as a less than three point favorite at home. Uh, that is at home, right? I've messed that up already yes. a few times today. So yeah, I thought that was in Kansas City. So um, yeah, I, I I don't know. Maybe the Bills prove us wrong, but until they win a big game or the Chiefs, you know, lose a big game at Arrowhead, I feel like I'm just. I guess you could say that Eagles game was, but I'm still I'm still taking the Chiefs. And uh, then the other team I'm looking at is the team we talked about a decent bit at length, the best team in the NFL, the San Francisco 49ers, minus ten and a half point favorites at home against the Seahawks. I am just taking that ten and a half. They just beat the Seahawks on Thanksgiving in Seattle, thirty-one to thirteen. And Seattle's only touchdown in that game was a pick six that Brock Purdy threw when the Niners were up 24-3. I think Seattle is bad, or trending bad anyway. They're certainly going the wrong direction. I think the Niners are clearly trending up and really good. And this is just an awful matchup. They kind of kick the Seahawks' butt every time they play in recent years, the last few seasons. And uh, I think it's going to go bad. I think I don't think there's going to be an emotional letdown you know, after you go on the road and get a big game. Cause I just think they're just that much better. So maybe, you know, maybe the Seahawks could backdoor cover this one, but I'm pretty confident the Niners are going to kick their butt again. And uh, so, yeah, that's, that's who I'm rocking with. Yeah. The number's scary, but the Niners beat the Seahawks three times last season and then blew them out as, as Jace just mentioned in Seattle. So uh, yeah, a, a nice trend there. If you can stomach the, <laughs> the 10 and a half. Um, all right. Uh, I opened this episode peaceful, and I'm done with that. I'm off that. <laughs> it's time for another Ravens game. I'm jacked up already. We have a whole week to wait that I, I don't want to wait now. But um, it's the stretch. It's the final gauntlet. Look, if you're good, you're going to be fine, Ravens. Uh, prove it to us uh, and hunt. Hunt for that number one seat and, and home field for playoff games uh, and a potential buy. And it starts with this Rams team. Um, for Jay Sevens and Tim Horsey. I am Antonio Barbera. Thank you for listening to us on Pod Like a Raven. May it not rain on Sunday. We will see you next week.